0: Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, disbarred Howie brings the case against Mark. Years ago, Howie and Mark were counselors at rival summer camps. When the camps came together for a sports festival at Howie's camp, it was Howie's job to sing a sit-down song to help corral the campers. When they heard the song, Mark's campers sat down. But Mark didn't. Howie called out Mark in song, embarrassing him in front of everyone. Howie and Mark have since become friends, but they say this incident has colored their relationship since. Mark says he shouldn't have been embarrassed by a fellow adult. Howie says he was just helping Mark lead by example. Who's right, who's wrong, only one can decide. Please rise as Judge John
1: Hodgman enters the courtroom and presents an obscure cultural reference. Just like you would to your IZOD shirt, be true to four winds now. Bail of Jesse Thorne, please swear the litigants in. Howie
0: and Mark, please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever?
2: I do. I do.
0: Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he probably went to the bad kids camp across the lake i do i do too judge hodgman you may proceed
1: howie and mark you may be seated or as i have heard it said sit down sit on down <laughs> everybody let's sit down sit down you two for an immediate summary judgment on one of yours favors can either of you name the piece of culture i referenced when i entered the courtroom howie let's start with you what is your guess
2: i'm gonna guess a uh, wet hot american summer Wet Hot
1: American Summer, a very, very funny movie about summer camp. If you haven't watched it, everyone watch it and then watch the sequel that came out with 20 years later or something, right, Jesse? Yeah, something like that. Really funny stuff. Really funny stuff. Great guess, Howie. Great summer camp themed guest. What about you, Mark? Boy,
3: I'm really stumped. I'm, I'm trying to place four wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. It must be like an 80s camp movie, like... Meatballs or something like that.
1: Just like you would to your Izod shirt, be true to four winds now. Meatballs is a good guess. That's a good summer camp movie. I'll put both of those guesses in. Any other guesses? No, because both guesses are wrong. All guesses are wrong. Between the two of you, Mark was the the least wrong <laughs> because because it is a reference to a particular summer camp. But where you got tripped up, and for heaven or whatever's sake, why wouldn't you be? You presume that I was quoting a piece of popular culture from a movie, when in fact I was actually quoting a camp song. So only people who had ever gone to this camp, this specific camp, Four Winds Camp, Boy. would know this song. And they are not you, because this is a defunct all-girls camp that used to grace the shores of Walker Pond and Sergeantville, Maine. Now, I did not go to this camp either. And neither did either of you, obviously. But one listener of ours, Mary, did. And some time ago, she sent a letter that I will read after the credits, describing her time at Four Winds Camp, as well as her larcenous encounter with the actual bad kids camp across the lake, the rich kids camp, the notorious and incredibly ironically named Robin Hood Camp, which we have discussed before on the program. But now, let's proceed to this case, the case of your two summer camps at Feud, Who seeks justice in this fake internet court? I do, Your Honor. That would be Howie? That's right. Howie, please state the nature of your complaint or sing it if you will.
2: (laughs) Um, So uh, Mark and I have known each other for 20 plus years now. um, Mm -hmm. And it feels to me like our very first interaction, which he experienced negatively, has remained in the background of all, all of our subsequent interactions. And so I'm here today to clear it up. What happened? It was during a time when I was the song leader at my summer camp, which was a Jewish summer camp in the Laurentian Mountains of Quebec. Mm. Um, and there are a surprising number of Jewish summer camps in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, enough so that every summer, w- one camp would host a sports festival with all of the other Jewish s- summer camps in the area. And each camp would send a delegation to... Um, and they'd have a day of sports uh, among the among the campers.
1: Would this be outside of of Montreal? That's right. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, there's a very big a very historic Jewish population
1: in Montreal. That's right. So, did your camp have a name, howie? My camp was called Why Country Camp. Why Country Camp. very existential. Why <laughs> Why um, Country Camp. That's right. You'll by um, the end of the session, you will have an answer, it won't be the same answer as anyone else. <laughs>
2: We called it YCC. That was how we we, nor, we normally referred to it, and it's named Copy. for the for the Jewish Community Center in Montreal because that's no, where I it was understood. based out of. Got it. Got it.
1: So you're having a sports fest, and and YCC is hosting the sports fest. That's right. And another camp is joining, and that's Mark's camp.
2: Correct. Mark's camp, and and probably three other other camps from the region, each sent a delegation. Got it.
1: And so Mark was visiting in the capacity of a, a counselor at this other camp. Is that right, Mark?
3: Um, <clears throat> yes, that's right. I, w- I was the program director um, of, of the other camp. So the, the peer is sort of qu- if questionable, technically, <laughs> you know, perhaps <laughs> I was uh, due a little more
1: you you know, outranked respect.
3: Ho- you outranked and- Howie. It's immaterial, but probably yes. I don't know. It sounds pretty
0: material to me. Sounds like the first thing you brought up, so it must be important. Yeah, I mean,
1: I'd like to get the hierarchy clear here. Uh, Where does a
0: song leader stand relative to
1: a program director? Yeah, exactly. So who stays on the boat longer when it's sinking?
3: Well, somebody has to play while it goes down.
1: Right. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Mark comes over as a program director of, what is the name of your camp, Mark? Uh, It was called Camp Kinearit. Camp Kinearit, okay. And and how you noticed that? Mark doesn't like to sit down and follow the rules when the songmaster's singing?
2: <laughs> well, so for some reason, uh, every camp activity, in my experience, at a Jewish summer camp ends with singing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even if you've gathered all of the most athletic campers um, from the various camps, they will be forced to sing together at the end of the day in some kind of group song, sure. often for points so that the judges can adjust the scores so that everything is a lot closer than it might have been uh, before singing, the
1: end of the Oh, day. so singing becomes a competition that's to even right. out the obvious athletic advantage that, say, Camp Kinnear had, had over <laughs> YCC, I'm presuming.
2: Uh, that's right, except mm-hmm. that, um, as Mark will tell you, in his view, his his campers were outmatched uh, at every turn during the oh, okay. festival. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, Mark's camp was much smaller than my camp. So okay. um, the delegation that he sent was effectively the entire camp.
1: I see. Okay. So let's get to the actual complaint. What I understand is you're wrapping up the day. You as songmaster in the host camp, Howie, are singing a little song, which we're going to hear in a minute. Don't worry about it. Everyone's going to be excited. And uh, the song is encouraging people to sit down, and Mark isn't sitting down.
2: That's right. So somehow, in that summer, uh, in the in the in the weeks leading up to that day, the sit down song had become that summer's tradition, and it was totally by accident. I was sound checking to make sure the sound equipment worked one day, and I was trying to get everybody seated, and it just slipped out of my mouth. But as sometimes things do in these small communities of people the campers got very excited about this song and they would ask for it every time we would get together as a as a group. And I think part of what was fun about it- You don't have it... to
1: justify singing to me, <laughs> Howie. I'm pro-singing. <laughs> I, you're, you're evading the, the point of contention here. You're, yes. you're giving a lot of background.
2: Okay, so I didn't know Mark's name, but I knew he was the program director at Camp Kineret and I knew he wasn't sitting. So in the context of my sit-down song, I called him out and I said- Captain Kinaret, sit on down, sit on down, on the ground, or words to that effect. Yeah, no, we have the song and we're going
1: to listen to it right now.
2: Sit down, sit on down, everybody let's sit down. Sit down, sit on down, everybody let's sit down. Grab a seat on the floor or else i'm gonna sing some more let's sit down sit on down everybody let's sit down take a seat on your butt then i'm gonna tell you what you gotta sit down sit on down everybody let's sit down captain kenara sit on down you sit right down upon the ground you gotta sit down sit on down Everybody
1: let's sit down Yeah, Now Howie. Judge
0: Hodgman, before we continue, we should credit the producer of that recording Legendary ethnomusicologist Alan Lomax <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I'm i not sure, Jesse, because I don't think that that's an archival recording, is it, Howie? That's something uh, that you worked up in your studio today? Uh, or yeah. recently? Yeah
2: Yeah, recorded on wax cylinder Okay, it was beautiful
1: <laughs> But that's not, a, that's not tape from the camp. That's a, re, a, a dramatic recreation of the song that you sang as yeah, many years ago.
2: That's right. I don't remember the exact words I used, but this was something I would do regularly when we didn't have visitors. I would call people out by name if they weren't sitting to sit with their campers because that was the leadership philosophy mm-hmm. at the camp.
1: Sure. No, I mean, every camp has its own sort of vibe and style, and YCC was the camp of musical bullies. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> I think in all
0: situations, the man
1: with the acoustic guitar is king, especially with a microphone on top of it. Yeah, you had a PA system. You sent in, along with that song, some evidence, including a photo of you, Howie, really rocking out at YCC camp. This is archival uh, footage, is it not? This is, this is a photo from around this time. That's right. Yeah. And we'll sh- share this, obviously, on our show page at MaximumFun.org, as well as our Instagram account, at Judge John Hodgman on Instagram. I quote, this is me, Howie, performing song leader duties and displaying my questionable late 90s facial hair. Goatee aside, how could anyone deny that punum? Howie, you're hot in this photo. <laughs> it was a good moment for me. Mark, wouldn't you agree? Hot. Yes, look at those guns. Look at those guns. You've really, You've really... Everyone seems to be wearing a white T-shirt in this photo, including the campers and the or counselors in the background behind you. Was this a theme night, white T-shirt
2: night? Uh, on Friday nights, we all would wear white T-shirt to to welcome the Sabbath.
1: You rolled up your sleeve, and we can see your arm. You rolled up your sleeves to w- welcome your biceps. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everybody sits down at the gun show. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but while well, this is evidence that you submitted, Howie, of. Of your incredible style and song-leading charisma. Uh, it also is evidence for Mark's contention that you were obviously amplified and yes. had a, had the power of amplification. That's when true. When you called out Mark, Captain Kinneret sit on down. Captain Kinneret's a pretty cool name, Mark. Is that something that you went by or is that just a, an improvisation on Howie's part?
3: Uh, no, that's that's not Something I went by. It was definitely an improvisation on on Howie's part, and was obviously intended as a as a bit of a slight.
1: It's a bit of a slight. Uh, no, objection, objection, uh, objection oh. Your Honor. I'll uh, allow it. <laughs> What's your objection?
2: I don't think I don't think Mark can know my intention. Uh, he may he may argue that was my intention, but really, my intention was to lovingly, jokingly, ask him to sit so that we could proceed in the way that we were accustomed to at the host camp.
1: Right, because here at YCC, when I'm singing, you sit down.
2: Well. Or I'm gonna
1: roast you musically.
2: (laughs) More that it's my job to get everybody seated. And this was the way that had worked all summer. So to me, I was just, and- and Had you
1: you roasted anyone else in this way?
2: yes it was it was a common... fellow counselors
1: or yes campers fellow counselors I, as well
2: i would only roast the counselors i wouldn't roast the campers oh okay. and all of the counselors understood that it was meant as a loving joke and reminder that this is this is what's expected of them when we're trying to get yeah to but camp. i
1: need not point out to you song leader howie that captain canary was a guest from a far off land that's right mark how far away is at camp well, <clears throat> there's two types of far away. There's the distance. <laughs> Why are um, all these summer camps in Montreal <laughs> existential? Well, <laughs> I, th- I think it's, it's worth mentioning, like,
3: I would say perhaps Mary and I would see really eye to eye in, in some ways. Um, and so, yeah, it wasn't they weren't far away from each other in terms of a drive. It was about 45 minutes or something like that. Right. They, were for, they were far away from each other in that... Their spirit, um, in the spirit, uh, and size, and like you know, camps like Howie's hosted the sports festival. Our camp couldn't host the sports festival because, like, there was basically like a road running through our sports field, and we didn't really have, you know, that those types of facilities um, or or that kind of space to host uh, a camp like that.
1: So and in so- the so in the in the uh, you were the one who brought up meatballs in 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 the meatball scenario. Your camp is the small, rickety underdog camp, and YCC is the rich kids camp, the Robin Hood camp across the lake, the ones that have the matching tracksuits, and they they travel around Maine in a luxury bus, and so forth. That's Camp Robin Hood. Wearing
0: white t-shirts and (laughs) shaming counselors across the state, in this case, province.
3: You know, we didn't have a budget for a song leader, or a PA system for that matter, uh, so, so you know it was all it was all fearing, feeling uh you know uh, foreign, and so um that basically what what the other camps would do to prepare for the sports festivals they would have tryouts where yeah. the best athletes would try to make the teams that would compete in the sports festival um, we didn't have tryouts because we didn't really even have enough kids you know for all the teams and so um that year, basically, if you were that age, you played on that team. Um, And so that year um, I advocated to try something different, which was instead of taking, you know, the majority of the camp to the sports festival, um, we'll just take everybody because uh, nobody's trying out anyway. So we're going to take the entire camp um, to the to the sports festival. And so it was a it it was a bit of a um, it was a bit of a, a conversation with the director to convince him that that was reasonable and that i'd be able to keep track of everybody right. and 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 that it wouldn't you know it wouldn't get chaotic and you know all all that kind of stuff um and and so it, that was weighing sort of heavily on me i, I guess as as we right. were arriving in in the in the sit down
1: situation tell me how you felt in that moment when you realized you were being sung about by howie
3: in that exact moment uh it was uh it was humiliating, mm. humiliation, mm. right, an embarrassment.
2: Mm. I was
3: trying to set an example for my kids who yeah. were intimidated. Um, and they're discovering things at this camp that we would never, you know, indoor basketball and, and all these things. That, and they're all sitting <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. there. <laughs>
0: indoor Wait, basketball? discovering indoor basketball no no, no. Look. this is they think they thought it was chutzpah when columbus suggested he discovered america <laughs> but
2: what, what i'm trying to get for, for at
0: kids to have
3: discovered indoor basketball this is a level of facilities <laughs> right that that would that we were were just not familiar with and so they're all walking in nervous because they're, they're like, about what, to have their
1: what's that what's hey 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 mr mark what's that it's like oh that's a swimming pool that's full of water, not rocks. <laughs> <laughs> that,
3: that, that's right. That's right. Uh, this is this is a, uh, a, a rollerblading hockey rink. Um, oh. And they have instructors to show you, you know, th- those types of things. Wow. Did they, oh. Wait, hold
0: on. Did they, Howie, did your camp have a rollerblading hockey
2: rink? We had uh, a paved asphalt hockey rink. It was not... Really well suited to rollerblading because it didn't get repaved that often. So we mostly played ball hockey in the hockey rink.
1: You have to understand. I mean, I know that I felt the same way, Jesse. But then I remembered this is Canada. There's got to right. be some form of
0: hockey. <laughs> got it.
1: But they had fancier they had fancier facilities. You were feeling that, like a, a real country mouse at Y Country right. Camp, mm-hmm.
3: and I and I was feeling uh, that same thing from the kids who mm-hmm. are all wide eyed. Um, and they're ushered into this giant, you know, rec hall with more, you know.
1: Now, did they have white t-shirts too, or were they just dressed in rags? <laughs>
3: <I know. laughs> That's right.
1: No, we, we we sprung we sprung for
3: fresh camp t-shirts, uh-huh. you know, because we, we we had to we had to represent. Because I I had sold this thing to the director as this is going to be it's going to be great. It's going to be a bonding thing. It's going to be a character building experience. We're going to go there. We're going to be proud of who we are. We're going to show our spirit. Right, and and I'm seeing the kids now. You know, eyes like saucers. Right. You know, w- w- looking around, uh, knowing that they're all about to get their asses handed to them, their butts handed to them. Um, you know, in whatever sport, they, you know, they're they're about to play. They're feeling overmatched. They're feeling intimidated. And so, uh, I'm standing up, and I'm trying to catch their eyes, and I'm trying also to make sure that I don't lose any of them. And and you know make sure that I have a count of them, but I'm trying to catch their eyes and, you know, roll my eyes or, or, you know, show them like, this is no big deal. Don't worry about this guys. It's not, it's nothing. And then, so as I'm doing this, you know, imagine I am, you know, I've caught the, the eyes of one of the, uh, of one of the nukem ball players, (laughs) right? right. And what I'm doing is trying to show, yeah, yeah, you got nothing to worry about. Yes. They got tons of people. Sure. There's 500 people here. Yeah. This is, you know, this is no big deal. We got it. Um, right. And I'm trying to,
1: you know, make that connection. Um, Captain you know, can hear it. Sit on down. <laughs> Captain right. can hear it. Sit on down. Hey, you big dummy, sit on down. <laughs> We're going to whoop your butts in nukem ball.
2: That's how it felt. Exactly.
1: Right. So now the looks of
3: the, of the, of the faces of the kids are mouths covered. Oh my God. Mouths agape. Did that just happen? And I was, <laughs> I kind of like a wheeled around and like, Looking at this you could see obviously what Howie looked like at the time, yeah. um, and, and 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 hot as hell, <laughs> right? Hot as hell in an amplified yeah. <laughs> yeah. way, yeah. Um, and and uh, and I was just like, how is this? How is this possibly happening right now? Um, and and so uh, I guess the other not part even, of the context not is,
1: even how is it ho- how is this happening? How is it happening? Howie is it happening? Who does that? Who from he the is stage howie? right from the stage because you didn't um, you didn't know you didn't you guys didn't know each other at the time
3: we knew I of only each other. knew howie that's right oh. I knew howie <laughs> a bit um, I knew of howie because long, he the long, played the,
1: the long bubbling rivalry of the Laurentian mountains
3: <laughs> that, that, howie he, v mark he, that's right howie we both also we went to um, uh, college together we both went to McGill University of Montreal and I knew Howie in a kind of like re- a bit of a removed way. He played in a band, you know, that I would see sometimes, um, you know, at the uh-huh. famous Yellow Door coffee house. And so I guess that added, you know, to my level of, I don't know, prejudgment of, of who I thought, you know, he was. Like, well, you mean he say he was say he,
1: he was like a he was like a,
3: a rock star? exactly uh, look, has, a, has a very high opinion of
1: himself and his talents <laughs> and howie what was the name of your band
2: the name of the band at the time was bear left
1: bear left i like it
2: right frog
1: <laughs> wowie zowie uh, howie zowie wowie howie <laughs> zowie that's true
3: let's take a
0: quick recess and hear about this week's judge john hodgman sponsor We'll be back in just a moment on the Judge John Hodgman podcast.
1: Hello, I'm your Judge John Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is brought to you every week by you, our members, of course. Thank you so much for your support of this podcast and all of your favorite podcasts at MaximumFun.org. And they are all your favorites. If you want to join the many member supporters of this podcast and this network, Boy, oh boy, that would be fantastic. Just go to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2020-24. 2020-24. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made. Step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. At babble.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame, You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up? Seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A U R A frames dot com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. So, Howie was kind of a rock star to you when he calls you out from the stage. And was there a stage, Howie? Was there a stage?
2: Uh, it's possible. Mark is nodding. It's possible there was a stage. My memory is that this was outside. Um, and there wasn't a stage, but it's possible. Um, So the, the, the indoor basketball courts that Mark is talking about.
1: Brag, brag, brag about (laughs) this indoor basketball.
0: Like it's possible. There was a stage. I remember we were at the grand Coliseum.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because it was something of an amphitheater. uh, And I was in the green room at the
3: time. I can't recall.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I'm I
0: don't know whether that was before
1: we f- had the new lighting rig put in or not. I remember the, the, the
0: night before Stevie Nicks had asked to perform in the round. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it was a revolving. Was that when we had the revolving stage or the, the stage within the stage? Up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <clears throat> Your memory is hazy. Uh, I'll, I'll defer to Mark. Mark, was there a stage? Yes or no?
3: Uh, there, there was a stage. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How it was in an
3: elevated position. <laughs>
1: That's right. Playing guitar, also known as an axe, and as they say, the tree remembers, the axe forgets. <laughs> if Mark remembers being humiliated by a guy named Howie on stage, I believe him. So, did the ki- you say the kids covered their mouths? Mark, w- were they laughing at you, or were they just astonished?
3: They were. They were astonished. They weren't laughing at me, uh, but they uh, were maybe embarrassed for me.
1: But they were sitting down.
3: They were sitting down, of course. All the, all the kids sit down.
1: What happened after Captain Kinnear at sit-on-down was issued from the, from the microphone? Did you sit down then? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I mean, I faced with the choice, right? <laughs> I, I, I could have continued to stand in protest and risk another perhaps escalated,
1: you know, uh, shout out from the stage. Well, or, why were people sitting down in the first place,
2: Howie? What was so, gonna happen? This was going to be the, as my memory is, this was going to be the musical presentation portion. And so we were trying to get all of the attendees seated so that each delegation could come to the stage. Right. And share their song. Got it. And they were sitting in like, was it an amphitheater
1: or was it like, were they sitting on logs or were they sitting on, you know, like uh, picnic tables or what?
2: If it's as Mark remembers, they were sitting on the floor of the basketball court.
1: Oh, what kind of basketball court was it? Like, could you see the stars or no?
2: <laughs> no.
1: Like, if it uh, rained, what would happen in the basketball court? Would you get wet?
2: <laughs> no, it was it was an indoor basketball court. Oh, 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 indoor!
1: Wow. I sorry, I forgot about that detail. Pretty fancy. Did you express your frustration to Howie after this uh,
3: happened? We have never really talked about it like this. Oh. I you today. I don't think I ever owned up to having actually been (laughs) embarrassed uh, uh, about it. It, it, It's it's something that was I I just sort of at first passive-aggressively dealt with, and then we
1: swept it under the rug. But but you're friends now, right? Yes or no? Yes. How did you become friends after Howie humiliated you in this way? Well, um, Howie... Was friendly with
3: a lot of the uh, people that I was friendly with. Okay, and we, our paths would you know continue to cross and continue to cross. Um, he actually um, was roommates following that summer. He was roommates with um, a friend, um, a, f- a friend of ours, somebody who one of my roommates was also in a band with, and 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 so you know we found ourselves spending time there. Um and you know the the edge sort of began to wear off a little bit and then there was this kind of moment, I guess. I found myself over there. And um
1: over there at camp the, now or are oh, we uh, talking Excuse or? me.
3: I'm sorry. Over at over at Howie and Zach's apartment. Okay. A bunch we can of name's... Yeah. Zach Zach will you know, he'll be fine. Um uh you know, a bunch of people connect with us. We're all sort of over there. And um
1: I well, understand th- you're, you're all hanging around in Montreal or where, where are you? Living That's at right. This point? Okay. We're, we're, in Mont- we're, we're in Montreal. So you're all, you're all in the yellow door scene. Friends of friends. Your age is like what? Uh, early twenties at this point. Yeah. You're, you're not doing the camp thing anymore. Maybe you are, but you, it's adult life now. And, and you're over at Zach's. Drinking,
0: you're drinking beers. You're playing roller hockey. You're eating bagels. you're yeah. making out with Upy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, just, just Montreal, serious.
0: young adult Montreal. Just young adult Everybody's Montreal made that stuff.
1: Yeah, just some, just a, just a, a classic, uh, a classic fet of some kind, a house fet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because Zach's got the, the cool apartment or whatever, and there's Howie across the room. And tell me what happened. Right. So so Zach
3: and Howie were sharing this apartment. They lived in this apartment. And I, I can't remember exactly what the details were. But, it, you know, in, in Montreal, in what was affectionately at that time known as the student ghetto, um, you know, there was some kind of sketchy landlord, you know, behavior or whatever. So there was some, there was an appliance. It was like a fridge or the freezer stopped working. And instead of fixing it, the landlord just left it there and then like brought in like a chest freezer, basically, mm-hmm. into this little apartment to be like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 you still have a freezer. Um, and then so the, Zach and Howie started using the surface of this freezer, you know, with a whiteboard marker, um, to to record the results of this contest that Howie would run for people, which was. Um, is this the Premium how, Plus challenge? Uh, it is. Oh. Um, is <laughs> is it appropriate to uh, continue into into the? A premium plus. I insist.
1: <laughs> no, I've been told to be on alert for any mention of the <laughs> premium plus challenge. So I'm very curious to know what it is. Uh, premium plus was a brand of saltine crackers. I think they have them in the yes. U.S., but
3: I, but they're not well, called we plus. Just call,
1: we just call them premium. Ah, right. Yeah,
3: exactly. And right. so Montreal it would have been plus, um, premium, and so the- <laughs> premium plus. Okay. <laughs> uh, and so you know the the contest was simple. Um, how quickly can a person eat 10 premium-plus saltine crackers? Um, and, uh, you know, you would, you would be timed, and then your score and name would be immortalized in a whiteboard marker on the side of this freezer.
1: So, yes, yeah, this is cl- a classic. Young dudes in their 20s hanging around with each other, don't want to talk about feelings of or or more past recrimination instead of just going to shove their mouths full saltines and that's how they that's how they bond. I'm kind of. You. Kind of. You know, there was a
3: lot of people mixed company um, and, uh, and how he introduces the game or the contest um, and he's, you know, He's cleverly talking about it and offering, you know, tips for new people on how you might be oh, able to
1: come uh, close to his record with his name uh, in big letters at the top. Howie the... was not only not only killing it at the Yellow Door; he was also killing it at a Premium Plus.
0: What I'm hearing is that Howie was not only an acoustic guitar bully; he was also a saltine bully.
3: <laughs> yeah, you might say. Look, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily feel bullied, but it was triggering. It had uh, the familiar hallmarks. Of, of, of
1: what had transpired,
3: you know, me, a summer ago.
1: Let me just, all right, let's pause for a second. So this is like a year later is what you're saying that this mm-hmm. happened. Let me go back a year then, Howie, to that fateful evening in the indoor uh, basketball court. You said that when you sang told Mark to sit down, you didn't know his name. So you sang Captain Kinnearit. Whereas Mark says from the floor of the indoor basketball court that he already knew you from the Montreal music scene. From Mark's point of view, there's a power differential there. Did you really not know at all who Mark was?
2: I knew who he was, but I didn't, I didn't know his name. I knew he Mm -hmm. was a friend of a friend, but we hadn't yet been introduced. Um, right now the, I also felt the power differential. So Mark said earlier that he was a program director at his camp and Mm -hmm. i was unaware of the relative size of his camp i hadn't yet visited it right and when mark got off the bus from camp Kinaret, he was carrying a walkie-talkie a clipboard and a set of keys
1: those are some pretty big power signifiers mark
2: in the summer camp universe there is no more powerful trio of symbols so to my mind Mark who was my age or seemed about my age but had attained this high rank of program director in some yeah. speedy fashion. Yeah. He wasn't sitting down because he didn't feel like he had to sit down. He was too good to sit down.
1: That was your that was your read on Mark.
2: That that was my read of the situation and from my perspective I have a job to do which is to get everybody who's in this beautiful indoor basketball court sitting on the dirty basketball floor and the way that i do that instead of yelling at them is singing at them
1: yeah you gently nudge them down with song i understand i understand but now that you know mark is your assessment of him as a high status walkie-talkie carrying power figure the same or different
2: no it's different uh, how would you
1: describe I, your friend mark
2: Uh, I would describe Mark as a kind, generous, and funny friend.
1: Mark, when did you reveal that you still had feelings about being told to sit down?
2: I think
3: it was, when I actually uh, verbalized it, it was actually um, at Howie's bachelor party. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Like So that's probably even, what, 10 years even after that fact, (laughs) where I actually said, I think I sort of half-jokingly said, you know, you were my nemesis. For a lo- for a long time and I'm you know I'm happy to you know be standing here with you and, and so that was the first time that I had ever outwardly you know mentioned that you know I had been thinking about it or have continued to think about it
1: so you had become close enough friends via the premium plus challenge which we'll talk about in a second <laughs> That you'd be invited to his bachelor party roughly a decade later and and now uh, here it is how long has it been since you went to that bachelor party Howie Uh, roughly speaking uh,
2: about 15 years
1: about 15 years so when when Mark said to you I feel you know you were my nemesis you told me to sit down and made me feel bad how did you feel at your bachelor party
2: well I said you know I have still carried around the time that you destroyed my record in the premium plus challenge and I still feel a little bit ashamed about that
1: oh turnabout was fair play so now in the saga of Mark and Howie we roll back another ha- uh, nine years or so to Zach's apartment when Howie is describing the premium plus challenge. He was given some tips because he was the premium plus challenge champ. How many, how many uh, uh, premium plus saltines were you able to eat, Howie? What was the record?
2: Well, it was you had to eat 10 crackers as fast as, as possible. As quickly as possible.
1: Okay, so what was your time record?
2: I feel like it was like a minute and a half.
1: A minute and a half. And what were your tips that you were that you were bragging on when you were introducing these noobs to this incredible Zach's uh, kitchen uh, game?
2: I think it was, you know, don't take it slow because your mouth is going to dry up. So you got to get as much in as you can right away.
1: And so, what would that mean? Like you, you preload five.
2: <laughs> you just don't take a break between crackers. Like don't.
1: Do you have to eat them one at a time, or can you do like two, four, six, eight?
2: Yeah, I think I think there were no rules beyond you have to eat 10. Okay.
1: 10 and so it was in a, a minute and change, right? Is that what you said?
2: Yeah, maybe 90 seconds.
1: All right. And then Mark stood up and said, "I shall take the challenge."
2: Yeah, and he did it in like 26 seconds. It was not it was not close.
1: Mark, do you remember that time when you ate all those crackers in 26 seconds? Sort
3: of. Because I feel like I I feel like I kind of blacked out. <laughs> uh when i when i was when i was doing it i i felt uh i'm not competitive like at all but right. i felt i just felt like i i saw red basically and i, I was, i'm going to destroy this guy <laughs> <laughs>
1: like,
3: i i don't know i i didn't even think about it i i just i just decided that i that i was my name was going to be on the fridge.
1: You hadn't been training for the premium plus challenge or anything. You had no background in fast cracker eating. It was just a moment where you saw Howie again. You felt that wound from camp YCC and you're like, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this guy now.
3: Not, not so much in a vindictive way, but I, yeah, I basically said, you know, who's captain can now? He (laughs) now.
1: These crackers. Um, did that, I mean, obviously you became friends after that, such that a decade later you'd be at his bachelor party, correct?
3: Yes, and uh, he was incredibly gracious about having, you know, been destroyed in, <laughs> in, the, in the challenge. He shook my hand and congratulated mm-hmm. me and said how amazing, you know, how he couldn't, he couldn't believe the time. And, uh, you know, it, it sort of – I saw a side of him – which was, you know, he was happy to put somebody else on the stage or the spotlight. And, and, uh, and so I, f- I felt a warmth from him that I, that I hadn't. And I, I guess I've, that, that was sort of a – now, now we had a shared thing because we were both very good premium plus eaters. And we were both former champions. We had never really had a shared thing before other than being humiliated.
1: And even and so – it evened the it, it, it evened the, uh, the polished indoor basketball playing surface <laughs> in a matter of speaking. Yeah, and you and it set us it set the stage. Uh, for, it set the stage for a stage that you could share and be friends at that point. Okay, so uh, why why were you still dwelling on it nine years later? Why are we still talking about it today, Mark? I mean, it seems like why didn't why didn't eating 10 saltines as quickly as possible heal your wound do you know sometimes when let's say
3: you're you're going to sleep you're going to bed and you close your eyes sometimes right it flashes into your mind or right flashes in, in into your mind the uh something really embarrassing that you've done or a moment that you have that that just makes you cringe and so like that's a thing i i, I have that uh, right, you know, being called out in front of 500 people and then, you know, meekly having, having to, you know, decide, should I, you know, should I protest this or make a scene about it or, or, or do I sit down? So all these kids looking at me as an example and then I, you know, have to prostrate myself in front of the, the rock star and sit down.
1: Do you think that I can give you what you want? If the saltines and the bachelor party conversation and the and the twenty five years of friendship hasn't been able to heal this wound, how can I help? Well, I think Howie
3: really, truly, truly, in a genuine way, believes that he was right. He was right to do that, and that was that was right. And so we've never uh, we've never addressed or talked about how that was actually super embarrassing. Uh, and and so that's that's where I feel like the judgment is is important. Like, w- was it in fact? But there's a culture. He-
1: there's a cultural thing here, Mark, because uh, you're both Canadian, right? Yeah. By birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mark, you should know how difficult it is for a Canadian to say sorry. <laughs> it's the hardest thing. It's just from birth they are trained never say sorry, that's never right. ever say sorry. Howie you're hearing what Mark is saying. Do you still think you were right? And even if you do think you were right in the moment, now that he's explained his feelings, why not say sorry?
2: Uh, I'm happy to say sorry. And I accept that his feelings are real and legitimate. And I can understand now that he's, he's told the story in this way, why he might've had those feelings. But what's, what sits with me is that he still thinks that I intended to humiliate him? That it was my goal to make him feel that way uh-huh. when it wasn't, and I feel like that uh, characterization of of you know who I am and who I was being in that moment has made it so that I don't think he can fully trust me, and he and I can't fully trust him because we still have this thing, this you know this pebble in the shoe of our friendship.
1: Hmm. Hmm. And and Mark, do you maintain that you think that how he set out to humiliate you, that it wasn't a misunderstanding? I don't think it was a misunderstanding. I don't, I don't think he set out to, like,
3: you know, grievously humiliate me. But the, the aim of it was to sort of right. you are naming someone in front of the whole group and essentially shaming them to comply with the rest of what the rest of the group is is doing. So right there, I don't know how else you
1: would describe that. Was there a rivalry between the two camps such that you could presume sort of a, a, a aggression, good, good-hearted or not?
3: Uh, I, I mean, yeah, we were, we were literally rolling in so that we could participate in a sports festival against each other.
1: Right. So you felt like there, by, by definition there had to be a little bit of knife twisting. Even if totally. it was good-natured and not meant to truly harm, but like you're exactly. the you're the opposition in that case. That's right,
3: competitive edge. And despite seeing my walkie-talkie and my clipboard, he still saw fit to call me out in front of the group, uh, which is not a small group. That's a five or six hundred people. Um, and so,
1: so yes, I maintain that. Did anyone refer to you as Captain Kinnearit after that.
3: I squashed that pretty
1: quickly. <laughs> uh, so people did. So the answer is yes.
3: Um, on, on the bus ride home, some of the kids were, were, were trying that out.
1: It's a very I, catchy tune. Captain yeah. can hear it, sing, sit on down. <laughs> Captain can hear it, sit on down. How do you feel when I sing it? Captain can hear it, sit on down. How do you feel when I roast you? To be honest, when you played it earlier in the show, yeah.
3: I, I haven't heard that song since the day. But oh, when you no. played it earlier in the show I knew every word of it oh. I, 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 I sang it in my head along so it's it's with me
1: it's with you how you covered your mouth when Mark revealed that he had not heard it since then and it's still it's still and he remembers every word were you uh, covering your mouth uh, to yawn because oh this this boring dude or were you stifling a different emotion
2: I, I'm. I was. I think I had a a mix, a set of mixed emotions. The first is uh, a, a bit of shame on my part that I, I've I've wounded my friend so badly, but also a bit of pride on my part that wow. as a songwriter, I wrote a song that's still in his head twenty years later. Oh, it's a very catchy tune.
0: <laughs> you're saying you're proud that your bullying is living in his head rent free.
1: Mark, it says here that if I were to rule in your favor, you would like me to compel Howie to acknowledge that you were leading by example, that you did not deserve or need to be singled out and embarrassed musically in front of 500 kids. And though he has not used those precise words, it does sound like he acknowledges now that he realizes that he hurt your feelings. Is that not sufficient?
3: Uh, Yeah, I suppose it's sufficient. I I think... It just, I don't know. It seems like when, after you've done something, you should own it.
1: But by contrast, Howie, in his request for a ruling, uh, wants me to order every member of your friend group to call you Captain Kinnearit once per year in the group chat in the name of quote unquote humility. So he's asking for something pretty specific if I were to f- find in his favor. So is there. If I were to find in your favor and and adjudicate that you were harmed, is there some concrete damages that I could award you? Uh, Perhaps by that same group chat and that same friend group,
3: Howie could issue a a sincere uh, apology uh, instead of trying to get people to continue to do it. (laughs) He, he did <laughs>
1: in, the, in the first place, Howie. When you ask that I order every member of the friend group to call Mark Captain Kinnear at once per year in the quote name of humility end quote. M- Mark seems pretty humble. Do you mean in the name of humility or in the name of rehumiliation?
2: <laughs> I guess what I meant was. I would like him now, all these years later, to recognize the spirit in which the song was intended. Not as bullying, but as just a gentle, hey, we're all friends here, we can all laugh together at ourselves. I see.
1: Okay, I think I've heard everything I need to, I am going to go sneak into the tuck shop of my chambers <laughs> and, uh, and and eat a lot of whatchamacallit bars and, uh, and have some uh, bug juice, and right. I'll be back in a moment with my verdict.
0: Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Mark, how are you feeling about your chances?
3: Truthfully, pretty good. I think you could see where the judge was naturally leaning when he asked about humility versus rehumiliation.
0: Howie, how do you feel?
2: You know, I've never been called a bully before, so I'm feeling a little uh, a little put in my place.
0: We'll see what Judge Hodgman has to say about all this when we come back in just a moment.
2: Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
3: Just one more week till Max Fun Drive.
2: (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year.
3: And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
1: Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating.
0: Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app.
1: And at MaximumFun.org.
0: The Van Freaks Roadshow is about to get in gear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how many how many gears does a does a Mitsubishi Delica uh, Japanese market only adventure van have? Six, five. I'm going gonna,
0: I'm gonna to put it up to eight. Why not eight?
1: Yeah, eight. Probably they probably have some extra
0: gears. I've only ever driven a Subaru Sambar, which is what I have. But I'm imagining myself. I've got my left hand on the gear knob right now. Right hand mm-hmm. drive vehicle. Yep. And I'm putting the Delica up to eight because we're cruising on the freeway to Belfast, Northern That's Ireland. Right. We're
1: taking we're taking that transatlantic freeway straight to Belfast, Northern Ireland and following up with Dublin, Edinburgh, London, Copenhagen, then back over to the United States for a whole bunch of wonderful cities in the United States, some of which we've been to before like Chicago and St. Paul, Austin, Texas. Some we've never been to like Lexington, Kentucky and Charlottesville, Virginia plus our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., and, of course, the State Theater here in Portland, Maine, as well as, of course, our triumphant return to my hometown, sort of, of Boston, Massachusetts at the Wilbur Theater and our double triumphant return to Brooklyn at the Murmur Opera House, where not only we'll be performing live for you, but also live streaming the show to the entire world. We love Antiques Roadshow. We love Mitsubishi Delica Vans. We love shows. We love the road. We love you. We want to see you in all of these places and online. You can get all the details at Freaksroadshow.com. We have registered the domain. Vanfreaksroadshow.com for all your tickets and your information. Go there now. You can also submit cases for all these places. We do need cases and places. Maximumfund.org slash JJHO. You'll find the link there over at Van Freaks Roadshow as well. Let us know if you're in any of these cities and you've got a dispute with anybody. We might hear your case live on stage. And finally, justice will be yours. VanFreaksRoadShow.com. Tickets are going. Why don't you go get them?
0: Let's get back to the case. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom and presents
1: his verdict. I think for two summers, I did go to Camp Burgess in Cape Cod for two weeks. One time with Damon, one time I think with John Wolfe. Maybe both times with Damon, anyway, with my friends. And I did not see the point and I did not like it. I did not care for it. I saw through that pretty quickly that this is a kind of constant low-level trauma. No one one ever bullied me. I'm just talking about like having to shower in public. No thank you. For an only child, this was the worst. Wait, the showers at your summer camp were public? Well, I mean, there were stalls. Do like, you know down what I at mean? the town square? <laughs> you had to walk through the woods. You had to walk oh. through the woods in flip flops and a towel. Wow, this was not for a, a, a sensitive child of Brookline, Massachusetts. And I'm talking about, you know, Brook, Brookline is suburban, but it, it it ain't it ain't the woods. And you know, tests of strength and physical conflict. The only thing that I. We had a tick problem in our camp, too. There was just nature was just constantly trying to crawl up and into you. So when we did our capture the flag uh, event, our team was called the ticks, the fighting ticks. That was my idea. That's my one happy memory. What I remember a lot was what I remember a lot was spending, um, you know, eve- nights listening to the other kids in my Bunk just like cry themselves to sleep because they were so homesick. And I was too. No no number of Bloom County comic strips can ease the homesickness of an only child. (laughs) And yet, for all of this, we sent our kids to a, a classic summer camp too. And I understand that people have a lot of fondness for camp that goes beyond mere Stockholm syndrome. Because I know that our daughter loved her experience at that camp and went on to become a, a, a counselor in training. She really lived it up. Whereas our son sent home a letter, which was, I mean, truly magnificent in taking the, the pain and homesickness he was feeling and, and forging it into a weapon to hurt us. Insofar as he wrote us a letter saying, camp is fine i have two friends their names are clown and opera those aren't real people those are (laughs) those are the knots in the pine wood ceiling above my bunk that i talk to at night because i have no actual friends signed your son (laughs) boy I mean, oh mother, I, hello <laughs> father. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, and you know, it was like I don't know that he's ever going to forgive us for the, the going going to that camp the second time. We're like, "You came to like it at the end." He's like, "No, I didn't." Well, you know, people have different experiences. There is something about summer camp and the collision of people at that those ages, right? Ages like let's say you know, eight to eight to 12 or even 15 for campers. And then like 16 to 18 or 19 for counselors, like two groups that are at very, very big emotional moments of transition and change in their lives. And those collisions can be very memorable and very, very fun and yet also traumatic Um, or at least let's say memorable in a less fun way. Right. And in particular, you know, when you have kids in charge of other kids, you know, counselors in char- who are themselves children in charge of children, the, the understanding of the roles of authority and the responsibilities of authority, it gets very, it gets very blurry. Now, I believe Howie. I believe that Howie did not understand that Mark felt so vulnerable already. And I believe Howie, when he says, I, I saw the walkie talkie, I saw the clipboard, I saw the signifiers of authority, and I saw the title. And I felt here was a, here was, here was a figure of authority. And who am I, if not a goateed bard, a jester, if you will, who's, Whose job, nay, responsibility, is to upset authority at every turn, if possible, and speak truth to the king. King Captain Kinnearit, sit on down. Tis I, Howie the Bard. And plus, I mean, Howie is a natural performer and rock star. He played at the Yellow Door. As a musician and as a performer, And I can say this because I am also the same. Howie probably had difficulty understanding that people in the audience are human beings. That he is not the main character of the universe. That people have feelings besides him, including Mark. You know, when we are on stage, it is power. You know, even though Howie misunderstood the power differential and thought He was kind of, you know, thumbing his nose at the man to some degree. Still, he was on stage and he was amplified. And that's a power that you have to wield responsibly. When you do crowd work in comedy or whatever, you have to be careful that you are roasting responsibly the people in the audience and that they're enjoying it. And I think that, you know, despite the fact that Howie, I think in good faith, thought that he was just poking at another counselor, the truth is that he made an error of judgment. He didn't appreciate that being on stage gave him a a visibility and and a, a kind of power of his own that necessarily made it a little bit more of a punch down than a punch up. Equally so... I think Howie, and this is a perfectly reasonable error of judgment. Like, I'm not saying that Howie's a bad person. Like, Howie, how old were you at this time? 21, 22. Oh, you should have known better. Never mind. I <laughs> <laughs> but I would say it's perfectly reasonable even then because you're just still, you're, you know, your brain's still developing and you, you know, you, you don't know all of the context of what's going on here. And, you know, roasting and teasing fellow counselors within your own camp environment your own camp ecosystem of light hazing and torture you know what you know where to push and where not to push you know you know how far to poke until you hit bone but because this was a guest from a far off land you didn't necessarily know what their conventions were right i don't think you intended to hurt him and i'm going to say something mark that you might not like if i were in your shoes and someone called me Captain Kinerit and they and they they were roasting me from the stage, I'd be so happy. I remember the first time I ever saw the video on Yo MTV Raps of Hammers They Put Me in the Mix, and that's the one that goes, hammer, hammer, I am hammer. And then he goes, They put me in the mix. Like, yeah, dude, you're in the song. You're the one. <laughs> of course they put you in the mix. It's still thrilling for a hammer to hear his own name. But you know, that's because Howie and I are Uh, emotionally stunted performers who want recognition at all times. Howie didn't know that you weren't going to be flattered by the fact that you got this cool name, Captain Kinnearit, which really sounds like a cool Elton John album, actually. Like, I think that, I think that you have to, you have to acknowledge that Howie acted in good faith, given the information that he had and given the level of judgment that he had. One thing that Howie has not said in this, really in this conversation, he said, I would be happy to say sorry, but i haven't heard him say sorry you know what i'm saying so looking back at your ideal rulings for a moment i'm definitely not going to order your entire friend group to continue to re-haze mark by calling him captain kinnear at once a year in the group chat in the name of humility mark is mark is plenty humble so I am going to rule in Mark's favor in this case. Even though I feel that what you did, Howie, was not that bad, right? That you did it with good intentions and in a way that if Mark had been a more extroverted person who liked to to get some attention thrown at him, you might have even enjoyed. But in this case, your your little barb went awry and it and it and it lodged in his heart and it's still working its way out. You're asking to be taken at face value I take at face value what Mark has told you that he was not standing to flout your authority. He was trying to be empathetic towards his kids. And your and your little song dart was misguided and hit him too hard. I think I do order you to acknowledge that he was, in fact, leading by example. Do you acknowledge that? I do. So acknowledged. (coughs) And I do order you to say, I'm sorry. But in a song. (laughs) <laughs> so producer jennifer marmer how how long do we have until this podcast hits the air just under a month howie so yeah so howie just write the song in whatever you know mode or tone you want it to be keep it about 30 seconds and send it to us and we'll play it next week I love this it. is the sound of a gavel
2: sit down sit on down everybody let's sit down
1: judge john hodgman rules that is all Please rise as Judge John Hodgman
0: exits the courtroom.
3: Mark, how do you feel? I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait, Howie. I hope. I hope. Hope you get some some other musicians in on it. Make it big,
0: <laughs> Howie. How do you feel?
2: Uh, I feel good. Um, I feel like I've got a project now, and I can channel uh, my my regret into music and and. Hopefully, going forward, Mark and I will have smoother seas to sail.
0: Howie, Mark, thanks for joining us on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Another Judge John Hodgman case is in the books. We'll have swift justice in just a second. Our thanks to Redditor Mutant Friend for naming this week's episode uh, Disbarred.
1: Disbarred, because it was Dis- a bard who dissed that guy. Yeah. That was a good one.
0: Uh, we're asking for those names at maximumfun.reddit.com, where you can also sneak a peek at upcoming topics of Judge John Hodgman cases. It's a
1: sneaky move.
0: You can sneaky. Go,
1: go sneak on
0: over there. No
1: one ever goes to Reddit to not be sneaky.
0: Uh, Instagram.com slash Judge John Hodgman is where you can see this picture, <laughs> this picture of uh, uh, the world's most slash least rockingest man. Uh, <laughs> ripping it out really? a sweet acoustic guitar solo at summer camp um really looking like you know really looking like coop from wet hot american summer michael showalter's it's true. character
1: yeah yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> here i got a music bed for the rest of the credits Go ahead. Uh,
0: (laughs) Judge Sean Hodgman, created by Jesse Thorne and John Hodgman. This episode engineered by Max Jewer at Clutch Sound in Madison, Wisconsin. Marie Barty runs our social media. Our producer is Jennifer Marmer. Now, Swift Justice. Redditor Medved801 says, My husband drinks my drinks if I don't finish them within 30 minutes. He claims, after 30 minutes... I've given up my right of exclusivity to my drink,
1: and it is up for grabs. Ah, uh, yeah, no. Um, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't grab, you can't steal someone's drink because then they're only having half a drink, and we all know a body needs two drinks, right, Jesse? Body needs two drinks. It's true. That's science. It's science. Don't steal people's drinks. So that settles that. But now we need some new disputes. How about stranger disputes? You know when Howie and uh, Mark met, they didn't. They didn't. They, when this all happened, they didn't know each other. This is a grudge that that Mark was was holding against a stranger until he wandered into Zach's kitchen and saw a chance to redeem himself with the saltine challenge. Maybe you've gotten into a dispute with a stranger, arguments you've had at the airport with a stranger in the subway or online. You remember that person who was going too slow in the passing lane? And you couldn't pass those cars because they wouldn't get over. Or remember that person at the grocery store who had 16 items in the 15 item or less line? Remember those teens who guilted your son into switching seats on the airplane such that he had to give up his nice window seat for a middle seat three rows back? Oh, those teens. What did you do about it? see like I did? Or did you get justice? Probably you didn't get justice. It's hard to get justice against strangers in this world. But I will give it to you. If you have a dispute against a stranger who cannot speak for themselves. Send it in to us at maximumfundorg slash JJHO, and Jesse and I will resolve it for you and probably find in your favor. Uh, But we're also looking for all disputes, right, Jesse? All
0: disputes, and especially disputes in places where we are headed out on tour. So if you are in one of those places, make sure to let us know when you go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast.
1: Everybody, let's sit down. Boom. Hey, it's a completely unsurprising and totally promised post credit sequence where I'm going to read that letter from Mary that I alluded to in the cultural reference. So you may recall Camp Robin Hood in Maine, the, let's say, over-resourced camp offering golf and tennis and squash programs along with its, per its website, 95 years of traditional values Mm. a few months ago listener Rachel wrote in about being a counselor there and I read her letter online and she revealed the instructions that some campers were allowed to ignore all camp rules and do whatever they wanted the rumor being they were children of the leaders of a drug cartel Camp Robin Hood anyway here's a letter from listener Mary who did not attend Camp Robin Hood but had an, an interaction with them she went to Camp Four Winds here's what she had to say Camp Four Winds was an all-girls sailing camp, and even though it was the early aughts, Four Winds was still very much stuck in the heydays of 1960s prep-slash-preppy culture. So we sang songs dedicated to pink and green polo shirts, including the classic Just Like You Would To Your IZOD Shirt, Be True To Four Winds Now. I had no clue what IZOD was. Across the lake was Camp Robin Hood. One night, the girls in my bunk caught up to some mischief. After our counselors fell asleep, we snuck down to the docks. We stole canoes and quietly paddled toward Camp Robin Hood. It was July, but it was Maine, so it was freezing. I was in the middle of one canoe, a freeloading non-paddler, desperately hoping we wouldn't capsize and drown. At Camp Robin Hood, they had dark green shirts with a jaunty Robin Hood logo embroidered on the chest. They had a practice at the end of the day of leaving them to dry in the docks. We wanted those shirts, and we planned to steal them. But as we were docking... A revolving bright light shone out, and some kind of alarm started blaring. We grabbed as many shirts as we could, and we started panic paddling back, and we made it. When we got back, we shoved the Robin Hood shirts deep into the bottom of our camp trunks. I lived with dread every day afterwards that we would be found out and thrown in jail. But we got away with it. Until, days later, one of our group made a mistake and wore one of the shirts, It was a dead giveaway, especially as the shirts had been reported missing. We got a stern talking to, and we were forced to return the shirts to Camp Robin Hood, but I kept one. I wore it a few times once I got home before I felt too guilty and gave it to Goodwill. So she ended up stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. Good job, Mary. She goes on, in a twist of fate and imbalanced budgets, Camp Four Winds closed the year afterwards. I was sad. Camp Four Winds was old and run down, but also genuinely fun. I promptly forgot how to sail, though I think I could still successfully win a game of jacks if the opportunity arose. So Mary sent in a recording of her singing that one bit of the Camp Four Winds song that I quoted when I entered this courtroom. So we'll close out today with that.
0: Just like you would to your eyes saw shirt, be true to four winds now. Maximum Fun.
2: A worker owned network of artist-owned shows. Supported directly by you.